Very, very good. I'm sorry, Master. It'll pass, it'll pass. Shall I bring them in, Master? Yes, Benson. Bring them into the time of legends. <laughs> hey, cassettes. Welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Hello. <laughs> We're three old time travelers, uh, again, <laughs> learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Adam. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. What's up? We're Hello. back. That's right. Bye. This month, we decided to focus on movies all about time travel. Ooh, oh, wait, not that kind. Oh, okay. <laughs> Last week, we went back to 1955 with Marty McFly. But this week, we're going even farther back, for forward, uh, maybe even sideways. Yes. Um, <laughs> in November of 1981, Monty Python alums Terry Gillum and Michael Palin unleashed a chaotic masterpiece about a young boy named Kevin and a band of time bandits that hop across the universe, stealing gold and leaving messes in their wake. <laughs> yes. Time bandits is, as its creators say, intelligent enough for children and exciting enough for adults. It presents a warped, childlike view of history with strange and fascinating characters. Like thugs that spit every two seconds and can rip off limbs in a single tug. Or a main antagonist that goes by the name Evil. <laughs> it emphasizes the importance of imagination and the dangers of technology, especially in the wrong hands. Oh my gosh, Time Bandits. Uh, yes. uh, uh, uh. This is a wild movie. It's... Yeah. So fun, though. There's so much chaotic energy in this movie. Yeah. It just jumps from one thing to the next. It doesn't ever take a breather. Nope. And it's such a wildly imaginative universe. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it is just it's chaos. It's, un it's unlike anything that I've ever seen mm -hmm. before. So come join us on a trip through the ages as we follow the travels of the Time Bandits. <laughs> time travel sounds. Are you guys excited to talk about the Oh time yeah. Bandits? This yeah. is this is a heck of a movie if you oh boy. If you've never seen this, we're gonna really spoil it this time. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely just Go letting you it. know, please watch it. It's on the Criterion collection. <laughs> yes. Currently streaming on HBO Max if you've yeah. got it. Yeah. yeah. This movie is so fun. And I remember when I showed it to you guys. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I I honestly have never felt more taken aback by a movie, <laughs> I think, because I just, it was so much to take in, yeah. and it, mm -hmm. it was hard to comprehend. Was very confusing. I was really. stoked. Yeah. I was so excited. I was, I, I just bought it from Amazon. I was like, you guys. Yeah. It was my birthday. I was like, you yeah. guys are watching Gotta this Gotta watch movie. this, yeah. <laughs> oh, and when it got to the end, I can't. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Was, I felt like know, Adam screamed at the TV. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it was a very Monty Python ending. Yes, yes. It, it really right. that, it, that's true. It really, yeah, it really tracks with <laughs> <laughs> So for those of you who haven't seen it, here is a summary. Kevin is an imaginative child with two appliance obsessed parents. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. One night while in bed. A group of bandits enter through his wardrobe and lead him on an adventure through time and space. The gang of thieves have just escaped after stealing a very valuable map from their boss, a supreme being. The map reveals portals through time and space, which the bandits intend to use to plunder riches throughout the ages. Yeah. That's such a good idea. It's really yeah. an interesting concept, right? Yeah. 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 It makes sense that there would, if time travel existed, there would be those people, mm -hmm. you know? So it's a great little uh, twist on that where you, you follow those people instead of, yeah. like, the heroes of time or whatever, yeah. right? It is kind of fun. These are not very likable characters necessarily. <laughs> yeah. they're, n they're not supposed to be super lovable, um, but they are a lot of fun <laughs> and just... Yeah, but they, yeah. they end up kind of being lovable anyway. Oh, yeah. You yeah. still love them. Because you grow attached. But, yeah, they're yeah. not, like, they're not, like, great. So let's talk about how this movie was made. 
In the late 1970s, the comedy group known as Monty Python was trying to finish their film, Life of Brian, after their film studio axed the project. Luckily, George Harrison, of Beatles fame, came to the rescue. Harrison was great friends with Eric Idle, one of the prominent Python members, and he was also interested in getting into the film industry. Harrison and his business manager, Dennis O'Brien, founded Handmade Films, which would produce Time Bandits. But before that, writer and director Terry Gilliam pitched an idea to the studio for a film called Brazil. When O'Brien wasn't interested, Gilliam came up with a different idea. He pitched a film called Time Bandits, a family-friendly adventure that was too interesting to pass up. I agree. It sounds much more interesting just on the title alone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They heard that. They were like, I'm sorry, what what bandits? Mm -hmm. And keep going. Yeah. Is there a TARDIS? Yes. (laughs) No? Okay. Perfect. (laughs) The first thing he imagined was a horse bursting through a child's wardrobe. He liked the idea and began building a story from there. This particular image appears early in the film when the main character, Kevin, sees this happen in his dreams. Such a like it's almost like a jump scare. <laughs> yeah, this one because it, because you know it's just a typical family at this point. The mm-hmm. parents aren't really paying attention to him. Whatever. Nope. <laughs> he goes to bed. He doesn't really want to. Blah blah blah. And then a horse jumps out of his wardrobe. <laughs> what? Yes. What the hell kind of movie did I just get into? <laughs> Basically, is your, your thought process there? Yes, it bursts through his wardrobe, and I forgot that it bursts through. But it's like. It, then it everything turns out to be like normal, mm-hmm. and yeah. he's just kind of huh, yeah, yeah. It what like is... rides off into the grassy knoll or something. Yeah, and then yeah. It, it goes, goes like back to his through... room. <laughs> yeah, his like wall is gone for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just uh, normal, normal yeah. room again. Yeah. <laughs> when I was rewatching this, Ariel was in the room doing some school stuff, mm. and that happened, and she was like, "What." is going on over there. <laughs> she just happened to look over and there's a horse jumping around this kid's bedroom. And it's like, uh, okay. And I was just like. This, my dear, yeah. this is, is time bending. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, just don't question it. It's a, it's a weird one. <laughs> it took weeks of training to get the horse to jump through the wardrobe and they had to build a gigantic version of it to accommodate the size of the horse. Ah, very nice. They said it was kind of fun to like hear the horse galloping <laughs> toward them. They, were, they couldn't see the horse. Like they yeah, hear it galloping cool. and then and he then... broke through. <laughs> Gilliam approached Michael Palin, a collaborator from his Monty Python days, and asked him to help write the script. Gilliam laid out the plot and Palin came in to flesh out characters and add funny lines. So this movie is really funny. Yes. Yeah. It is really funny in a very interesting way that maybe the first time you watch it, it's not as funny because you're trying to figure out what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> or what's going on. Too distracted even. by the weirdness of it. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. listen to the, the <laughs> script too much. Yes. The story followed a group of thieves that once worked for God or some divine being. In this universe, God is not perfect. And he made a lot of mistakes when creating the universe. For example, there are a lot of holes in time and space. God's band of helpers got bored with their job, so they steal a map to the time portals and plot to steal treasures from all over history. Michael Palin felt that he could finally use his history degree when coming up with the time periods featured in the film. It was like several period movies smashed into one. Nice. Ah, That's cool. I like it. Yeah. It is. The the time periods they go to are interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of unusual ones. Yeah. Right? Like, uncommon. Because, yeah. you, you know, there's tons of time travel movies and mm-hmm. period pieces, right? But some of these ones, like medieval, sure, that's covered. Yep. But, yeah. But the, the like, the days of Napoleon mm-hmm. and, like, super ancient Greece, like, before the Romans. Yes. Stuff, like, this stuff that you don't really touch on ever, and it's really cool to actually see it. Yeah, it is pretty cool. The main character is Kevin, a little boy that unwittingly joins the Time Bandits on their escapades. Craig Warnock was chosen for the role. Casting director Irene Lamb suggested the young actor to Gilliam, who liked the boy because he felt that he wasn't trying to be cute. Gilliam wanted a kid that really felt like a real child with faults and imperfections. Yeah, uh, (laughs) listening to the commentary, Gilliam said he doesn't like kids. He's kind of famously yeah. not the nicest guy. 
Yeah. That's just, you know, so he kind of comes off. He has that kind of attitude of like, I don't yeah. like kids. I don't like kid actors. Mm-hmm. Warnock had fond memories of the film. He was thrilled to meet Sean Connery, who we will, of course, talk about later. And Kenny Baker. Yay, Kenny Baker. Pretty cool. The most loved time bandit, they said. (laughs) Because the kids knew that that was R2-D2. Ah, yes. The time bandits themselves were meant to be a group of little people that worked for a higher being. Casting directors found an incredible ensemble of actors for the roles. David Rappaport played Randall, the unofficial leader of the bunch. While filming, Rappaport would keep himself distant from the other actors, which created some animosity. Director Gilliam liked this because it added tension to the film, and he and Michael Palin actually added a scene in the movie where the characters fought. Yeah. There's a scene where they fight over the map, mm-hmm. and that's when they break it. They get to the fortress of yeah, you know, darkness. Yeah. darkness. And that scene was written specifically just because, you know, there there was starting to there the groups were weren't really getting along. The mm-hmm. group wasn't really getting along super great. So they had that kind of extra layer it's of tension. Kind of- it's kind of fitting though, because they're not the great like the characters are not the greatest people. And yeah, they, yeah. They would. It makes sense that they'd butt heads. Yeah, I mean, I it makes sense to. I feel like Michael Rappaport kind of, you know, his character. It really worked for his character mm-hmm. for him to be distant from the others. Yeah, because he was the one. He kind of saw himself. His character sees himself as the leader. Yeah. And, like, he should be able to boss the others around, mm-hmm. and, yes. like, he's better than they are. <laughs> I love towards the beginning when the, when yes. he's like, Do you oh, so, oh leader? <laughs> you want to be a leader of this group? And he's like, no, we agreed on no leaders. <laughs> That's right. So shut up and do what I say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kenny Baker, of Star Wars fame, of course, played Fidget. He and Jack Purvis who played Wally, were a duo that often performed together. Late in the film, Fidget gets killed by a falling beam. The writers chose Kenny Baker's character for the scene because they knew that they could get a strong reaction from Jack after his death. Yeah. Ooh, that's really cool. Uh, it, I see. Yeah, this is really quick, and the, the movie does not dwell on this. <laughs> but there is a very... I mean, if you watch that character, and it is, a, it is yeah. a little... I mean, it is a a pretty intense reaction from him. You know, he is the one that's upset that he's dead. Yeah. You just kind of move on a little bit. But he's like, like, "Eh, he's like, I can't, my friend is dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he like goes into a rage and he was about to run straight at the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Probably get himself killed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Tiny Ross played Vermin. Born in 1910, he was the oldest of the time bandits and was 71 when the film premiered. Yeah, can you what? believe that? I cannot. Seventy one. Yeah. I could not. I was like, "You're doing all these stunts. You're seventy one. Holy cow! <laughs> oh my gosh!" <laughs> Jack Purvis played Wally. Purvis was a very strong performer and could carry the more emotional moments of the film, like Fidget's death that we just talked about. Like Kenny Baker, he was also in Star Wars as various characters, including the Chief Jawa. Oh, nice. Yeah. I wonder if that was a really hot day of filming. Because <laughs> oh. those yeah. costumes look warm. Yeah, oh, they yeah. do. Oh, yeah. Mike Edmonds played the resourceful and sometimes bumbling Og. Edmonds has had a prolific acting career and even provided the voice for Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars Battlefront 2. Ooh. Yeah. Freaking fantastic game. Yes. Malcolm Dixon played Strutter. Dixon appeared in many films and TV shows, including Star Wars and Labyrinth. Jonathan Price was Gilliam's first choice for evil, the main antagonist for the story. Price was too busy, possibly because he was shooting Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, ho, ho. Another one we talked yeah, about. Yeah, the way Ooh. they said it was, Jonathan Price was too busy taking roles that paid. Ah. <laughs> 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 and I immediately was like, well... Let's see. When did something wicked come out? Eighty-two. When did this come out? Eighty-one. Okay, that's what he was doing. <laughs> yes. So David Warner took the role instead. I'm so happy though. Yeah. Because Jonathan Price is so good. Yeah. But just so good at being scary. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes. like th- this guy was 
phenomenal oh, yeah. as this funny villain. Yeah, you needed this villain to not be taken that seriously. Yes. Yep. When Warner showed up to play the part, there was no official sketch or idea how the villain would look. He and Gilliam walked through a warehouse and pieced together an absurd outfit. Evil's headpiece and his lair were inspired by Alien from 1979. The set and the outfits of Evil and his cronies had a similar gooey texture and substance to the main antagonist of the Ridley Scott film. Yeah. His head really looks like yeah, Alien. Yeah, yes. pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. And you have that, like, it, it you know... Not quite liquidy, but not quite yeah. solid. Just yeah. kind of sheen on everything. Yeah, yeah, it just has that sci-fi kind of squish. Yeah, they did, yeah. They <laughs> did a goop. great job. Yeah, yeah. goop. Yeah. Goop. Evil's minions were also covered in plastic to mirror the plastic-covered furniture of Kevin's home, further driving home the evils of materialism. Yes. What the hell? <laughs> I did, that never clicked with me. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because I always thought it was strange that they just had like plastic ponchos on. <laughs> basically. I was like, what? All right. And yet we're still gooey on their yes. skins. Yeah. Everything, That's awesome. Yeah. Everything in evil and everything in that is, it's all comes from his, Kevin's parents. Yeah. And yeah. their obsessions with material items. And how it, it is, it's so strange to like put plastic on your furniture. What are you, why? Yeah. What are you preserving it for? Right. You know, like what, what, you know, it's more, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, having the object is more valuable than like yeah. the use of the object. You like, know? Right. Cannot get comfortable. I mean, I cannot imagine. No, There's you no can't, way you, you can't get, get comfortable on, on a couch. Like, you can't. Kevin and the Time Bandits travel to various periods of time and encounter famous historical figures. These figures were people that Kevin studied or read about in his books. The first figure they come across is Napoleon. We meet Napoleon, played by actor Ian Holm, as he is watching a puppetry performance. Holm was wanted in the film from the beginning, and since he seemed very Napoleon-like, it was an easy fit. Each figure is so funny. Yeah. Except for Agamemnon, like mm -hmm. he's yeah. the one that's the mo like the most serious. But th every character they come across is so, I mean, just very funny. Yeah, yeah, I love that he is just so concerned about his height. <laughs> yes, the the generals that he has, like the 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 first generals, he, you know, like oh they they de the town wants to surrender, <laughs> and, and he's like. You know, what are you talking about? Is it because of, I'm short? Like, no, no, no. We didn't say that at all. So he, he's clearly obsessed with his height. Yeah. Because then he, you know, he's drunk later on and he's talking about all these other famous conquerors who are really are short. Also short. Yeah. yeah. Very funny. They said Terry Gillum kept laughing and they actually had, he had to leave. Oh, Someone my had to gosh. like take over That's amazing. for the director because he kept laughing during the scenes I, of I Napoleon. It, That's he, hilarious. He does a great job. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love the little detail of the fact that he has his hand in the, his shirt like the entire yeah, time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then when, when they go, when the bandits go to steal everything, they pull it out and it's this gold like hand. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> It's so funny because everyone recognizes that famous painting of Napoleon yeah. where he's got his hand tucked in. Yeah. But there's not that's Yeah. He didn't do that all the time. <laughs> but it's very funny that they made that a point about yes. that. Yes. And it's and going back to the childlike aspect of the movie, it's like right. if this little boy had only seen Napoleon with his hand in his shirt, yeah. you know, this is what he might have imagined. Yeah. That's he's like point. he's hiding he, something valuable. Yeah, but he does it all the time. And there's, yeah, there's no doubt that that was the image of Napoleon in the book he was reading. Yeah. Yes. Holm was such an incredible actor that the writers and director didn't want to cut any of his scenes. He felt like making cuts would undermine the performance. The, the part with Napoleon does seem to be like they're in that time period for the longest out mm -hmm. of, mo out of most yeah. of them. The section with Napoleon is foreshadowed by a miniature theater within young Kevin's room. Yeah. This movie has a very labyrinth type beginning yes. where we have a bedroom that has all of the pieces and things mm -hmm. that influence what happens. Yeah. To create the illusion of his stature, other actors would stand on boxes. Yes, everyone else was and they do they would do these low angles and, yeah, and yeah. so that people yes. would look like they were towering over him. Yeah. 
The Time Bandits utilized time holes to get from one point to the next. When the actors would jump into the next time hole, they were actually jumping into pieces of black velvet. If the scene required them falling through the sky, miniatures of the actors were used. Lots of miniatures were utilized in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can tell. It's kind of like a homebrew effects kind of thing. You can yes. you can see it in some cases. Mm-hmm, like definitely. One, one example is towards the end when they find the the fortress of Ultima Darkness yes. and they break the barrier. The 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 difference between them on one side of the barrier mm-hmm. and the fortress on the other side, you can like yeah, see yeah. how they had to make that yeah. shot work. Yeah, definitely. They use black velvet a lot. Mm-hmm. When they made this movie, anytime it's like a black void, yeah, it was just a room with filled with black velvet. I mean, it's that's cool, smart, yeah, yeah, because it really it absorbs light yeah. so well mm-hmm. that you can yeah. do that. You just gotta make sure there's no fuzzies on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, Marcy and I know from experience. <laughs> we, we <do. laughs> yeah, wash your black velvet. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I, I, I mean, I love that kind of stuff. It really, really adds to the charm of this movie. Yeah. yeah. Time Bandits is filled with familiar characters from history and lore, including Robin Hood himself, played by Monty Python alum John Cleese. Oh, John Cleese! Jolly good. (laughs) (laughs) Before meeting the famous heroic outlaw, the characters come across Shelley Duvall, who came onto the project because of her friendship with Eric Idle. So this is something that I've heard Apparently, every person, every famous person that the Monty Python guys <laughs> met was through Eric Idle. Oh, like, that he makes w- sense. Yeah, they were like all our famous yeah. friends. <laughs> nice. When Gilliam went to demonstrate the carriage scene, he accidentally caught Duval's headpiece, cracking her neck, and according to Gilliam, nearly killing her. Oh my gosh. Yes. She recalled the incident in an interview saying, I could have been paralyzed. As it is, there's just a pain that comes through my ears to my eye and then goes away. Oh. That's crazy. My gosh. Um. Uh-huh. I wonder if it lasted. Right. Like, oh, like how often yeah. did she get a pain like that? Oh. That's scary. Hopefully not. Can we talk long. about, yeah, can we talk about Shelley Duvall for a second and her yeah. dedication <laughs> oh, to gosh. the craft of acting? Seriously. Yeah. How many times was this poor woman hurt when she was making a movie? Too many times, it seems. Yeah, seriously. Somebody will go through their whole acting yeah. career and never yeah. have an accident. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, he, t- he said that when he landed, he caught her headpiece and he heard her neck crack. Mm-hmm. Oof. She had amazing range. I mean, oh, going yeah. from like the shining. Yes. To, like, this is she, like a hilarious movie. Right. She had a very, like, she she's still alive, but when she was acting, yeah. like, she, she could be very comedic. John Cleese was interested in doing the scene because Robin Hood was meant to be portrayed like the Duke of Kent. He thought that was funny. (laughs) He was (laughs) just kind of like this royal guy that has nothing to do with anything and just kind of of in charge of everyone else doing the work. (laughs) Gilliam and Palin let him rewrite the scene for his appearance. Oh, wow. Which really helps. Yeah. 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 The time bandits weren't short enough, so they had to sit down so John Cleese could bend down and tower over them. Oh my He's gosh. larger than life. <laughs> As the characters navigate a rainy and miserable Shearwood Forest, Kevin falls through a time hole into Mycenae, a desert-like landscape. He accidentally interrupts the Greek legend, King Agamemnon, as he's slaying a beast. Yeah, and kind of saved him. Yes. Because he was about to be beaten. Yeah. Um, I think this is so funny, this part, because is this when, I think this is when two time portals open up. Yes. Yeah, Mm because he's like, they're they're kind of fighting with the, uh, with Robin Hood's band of thieves, right? As they're trying to take their treasure back. And... And Kevin's just running away. He's like, oh, there are two portals. Which one do I go through? He's like, just get out of here. Just run. And then as he steps through it, not that one. <laughs> it's like, well, you should have said that, bro. Come on. In the screenplay, Agamemnon was meant to take off his helmet to reveal a man similar to Sean Connery. They never dreamt that the real actor would appear in their movie. But it turned out that Connery was golfing buddies with Dennis O'Brien, who was funding the film. Connery was also a fan of Monty Python, so he decided to do the role. 
That's yeah. so nice. <laughs> it is kind of jarring because you're watching yeah. this movie and you think, like, this is a, a, a fairly low budget, mm-hmm. silly movie. Yeah. And then Sean Connery appears and you're like, Whoa. Oh, whoa, A-list actor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the Sean Connery scenes were shot on location in Morocco during the first days of filming. Craig, who played Kevin, was intimidated by Connery at first, but the actors were able to portray a meaningful relationship. Kevin sees a true father figure in Agamemnon, who takes him on as his own. When Kevin wants the legendary warrior to teach him how to fight and kill, Agamemnon decides to show Kevin magic tricks instead. This was actually Connery's idea because he could do some sleight-of-hand tricks. Nice. Super cool, and it's a great moment. Yeah. This whole thing, because you really see the bond form very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's amazing, actually. Yeah. This is the only part of the movie that really just makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Kevin ends up hanging out with King Agamemnon, and like they are really close. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're my son now. Yep. Yeah, it's totally believable. He, I believe yeah. that he yeah. would say that. And, yeah, and he decrees it to everyone because yeah. he's like the king. Yeah, yeah. And he basically is like, "Yeah, this is my heir now, everyone." Yeah. Just so you know. And like they get along really well. It's a really sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They said that when they were writing the scenes, they kept writing a bunch of dialogue for them to have, but it ne- it never worked because they were like the. It, relationships like this, you don't need to say that much. Yeah. No. You know, they just like get each other. Yeah. And it's it's so nice. And Aww. it's so, and everything seems to be like, <laughs> okay for Kevin. And then, you know, <laughs> and that's the part that's like, oh my gosh, I just wish you could go back and be with King yeah. Agamemnon. Mm-hmm. Like, I was taken. I'm sorry. Aww. Just as Kevin settles into life with King Agamemnon, the time bandits arrive to take him away. It's so, it's like, it's yeah. so jarring because, like, he's what they're, they come up and they're like, oh, we're going to do a trick. We're just, you know, mm-hmm. we're doing a trick here. It's fine. Yeah, watch this yeah. magic. Yeah. And he's like, okay, sure. And he grabs, grabs the boy, grabs Kevin, and Kevin's like, no. And he's like, yeah. oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. And then they disappear. And then there's just this, this moment. Yeah. Ev- everyone's like clapping because it was yeah. like, oh, yeah, wow, magic. Yeah. Ah. But then, yeah. No one's there. Like, like they're yeah. all gone. They're yeah. gone. And, and then, they're, and, and they then haven't reappeared. Everyone is still clapping, but then Agamemnon kind of stops and you and can stand- see him kind of sit up. Yeah. Like, he kind of right, sits up he, like, wait, well, where is he? Yeah. And yeah. like, that's, that's that. You so never see bad. Agamemnon again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, just imagine so the aftermath. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Kevin's, him. Kevin's like literally screaming yeah. like, no, don't let them take me. Yes. Like, oh. He was so happy. Oh. The group lands on the Titanic and lives the high life until the ship suddenly sinks. <laughs> <laughs> the group flails around in the water until they decide to use the map once again to find the most fabulous object in the world. Yeah, this is kind of part of their quest this whole movie is they're trying yeah. to find this most fabulous object and mm-hmm. it's going to be like a, an appliance or you know yeah, yeah. unattainable yeah. ridiculous yeah. thing the titanic scene was filmed using only one set and the rest was stock footage oh mm. interesting Neat way randall orders a drink with plenty of ice just before the ship crashes it's kind of silly how uh they portray the sinking of the titanic in this because everything's totally fine and then the ship just (laughs) sideways it's like it took a while before that happened yeah but but it's still very fine and then i i think it's funny that they're literally floating on the sign that says titanic yes yeah just in case it wasn't clear (laughs) (laughs) the actors did their own stunts even falling off the titanic some of them couldn't swim, and they were endangering themselves for the movie. Oh, man. That's yeah. Incredible. They didn't really have doubles, so no. they just kind of yeah. did every stunt. After the Titanic, the group enters the Time of Legends. When the bandits are first brought into the Time of Legends, they come upon a large boat and beast that was inspired by a Brian Froud drawing. You know, the same awesome guy that drew goblins for Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Hey. So another kind of Labyrinth. A fairly prominent thing. British artist in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. It does feel very labyrinth this character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Peter Vaughn played the Beast character that's now middle-aged and grumpy, but with a beautiful, adoring wife. His wife, Mrs. Ogre, was played by Catherine Helmond. Yeah, she was a soap opera star. Ah. After the bandits cure the Beast and he can cough again, the cough sets the boat sailing. The ship itself does not move. Instead, camera trickery is used, along with movement from the actors. Yeah, the ship isn't moving. Uh So when, like, the boat tips and they all move to one side, that's the camera just tilting and the actors just falling to one side (laughs) of the screen. Wow, nice. Look at that. (laughs) They did great. Piece of cake. (laughs) I think it's so funny. I I, I wish that the, like, strategy they used to, like, fix his back worked. (laughs) because <laughs> I, I, yeah. I would love that they all just oh, grab yeah. a leg basically and arm I mean, and they we stretch could, him out we could try it adam you want us to hey, try you it want us to give it a <laughs> shot maybe oh you have you having back problems no tries to pick him up <laughs> like yes you are yeah and, don't uh, lie to me <laughs> yeah and then they just help him yeah but then trick but, him. but then they yeah. throw him overboard and they yeah. steal a ship but he seems so happy he doesn't he even does. care like my yeah. back feels better i don't care yeah. about anything. Can cough again <laughs> yeah when the boat begins lifting from the water we see it as atop a giant's head originally tall actors were used but they found that it was better with a wrestler that wasn't very tall the low, wide-angle lens made him look huge. He was running because they shot the scene at four times the speed and then slowed it down. They also pumped out condensed milk around his mouth when he was in the water to make it look frothy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. A lot of camera trickery with yeah. the giant. Yeah. But it works so well. It does. Yeah. yeah. He really does oh. feel like a giant. Mm-hmm. When the actors reached an invisible wall, they just had the actors mime a wall and added sound effects, except for the close-up shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that's interesting because, you know, when they actually have yeah. it, they're like glass because you can see them pressed against yes. it. But that's cool. They did a good job of just pretending yeah. it was there. Yeah, they, they lined pretend, them up really well. Pretended it was there and they added like, twink, twink, twink noises yeah. like they're hitting the wall. It's very believable. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Just beyond the invisible wall is the Fortress of Ultimate Darkness the lair of evil and his minions. Yeah, evil lives in the Fortress of Ultimate Darkness. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know. The fortress was a plastic model 12 feet high and 25 feet across. They painted it black, which ended up being too dark. So they had to use extra lights that melted and warped the plastic model. Yeah, so the castle looks pretty. Yeah, Yeah. I thought it looked pretty. But I mean, I guess I didn't question it too much because it's like, oh, it's dark. It's darkness. Ultimate darkness. Yeah, I would expect it to be twisted Mm -hmm. and awful. Twisted. (laughs) Instead of superimposing the bandits on the model, they used miniature figurines that moved on a magnetic track. Evil throws the bandits into a cage after tricking them with the very same TV show that Kevin's parents watched from their couch in his home. Jim Broadbent plays a cameo as the host of Your Money or Your Life. Oh my gosh, Jim Broadbent. Broadbent. And like he's not even credited in this role. But he, yeah, he appears at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Kevin's parents are watching this weird TV (laughs) show. Yeah, it's a ridiculous game show. Yeah, this ridiculous (laughs) game show where people win prizes, they win appliances, Mm -hmm. and the parents Mm -hmm. are watching that. And he does such a good job as like this kind of creepy, constantly smiling yeah, very Danger unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Just way too happy. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. But before they collect their prize, let's just have a look at what made it possible for them to be here with us tonight. The map, please. The climactic battle in the fortress mirrored Kevin's bedroom from the beginning of the film. The knights, the cowboys, the chessboard, and the set built from gigantic Lego blocks all reference Kevin's toys. Yeah, if you look closely in this scene, you can see that the set around them was built with gigantic Legos. Yeah. You see these yes. big... <laughs> yeah. Did you notice those? Yes, and actually the first time watching this movie, that was the moment I realized that it was like imagination. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. until then, I was like, you know, I suspended my disbelief. I was like, okay, this is happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then when the when the fortress had Legos in it, I was like, yeah, this is this is probably these are just toys. I bet. And, <laughs> you know, 
And it's really cool. It's a nice little subtle yeah. reveal. Yeah. The final battle ends with the entrance of the supreme being, God, played by Sir Ralph Richardson. Richardson had a lot of ideas about the role and wasn't sure if he should take it. He argued with Terry Gillum about the type of suit God would wear. <laughs> he thought God would like be in a sun hat, like a wide-brimmed hat Whoa. and a light blue mm-hmm. suit. Yeah. Interesting. He also forced the writer to take out certain lines that, quote, God would not say. <laughs> they said that was really, really hard to argue with when he would yeah. say, well, God wouldn't say that. <laughs> I guess we can't we can't argue uh, it. We don't know. I mean, yeah. you might know more than we do, I guess. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> Got him on speed dial. Or... Your word for it. Okay. He has such a command of the scene and the role that the other actors really felt like God was on set with them. Quite a presence. Yes. He walked in and everybody was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. There he is. <laughs> As the Supreme Being agrees to let the bandits work for him again, he sends Kevin back home. Let's talk about this for a second. Yeah. The Supreme yep. Being shows up. They don't even defeat the bad guy. The bandits do no. not defeat the bad guy. Yeah. They are losing. Yeah. Yes. And the Supreme Being yeah, walks they, in. They bring all these people from the other time periods yes. to like help fight. Yeah, and they have this big battle, and like the evil is... He just he's he winning. Just aces yeah. them. Yeah, he's just killing people left and right. And uh, <laughs> so the Supreme Being comes in. He's just like, this is enough. And he just basically, you know, defeats him right on the spot. Yeah. And there's a, time, a moment when Kevin's just like, did all those people have to die? Why did they have to die? You might as well say, why do we have to have evil? Oh, we wouldn't dream of asking a question like that, sir. Yes. Why do we have to have evil? Oh. I think it's something to do with free will. Very much blasé about yeah, killing very, people, just like the, e- the evil. Yes, very blasé about it. He comes in, uh, he's very formal. He tells, him, he tells him where everything goes. When he killed evil, he became like basically the statue yeah, of this concentrated stone, yeah, or, yeah. evil stuff. And there's concentrated evil all over the place, and they're cleaning it up. I think Wally is like, well, our friend died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he points to Fidget, and... The supreme being goes, "Oh, no reason to slack off work," and he just brings him back he to life. Yep. It. Yeah. Yep. He resurrects him simply so that he will do work for him. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. he will clean up the mess yeah. that he doesn't want to have to clean up. Yeah, no yeah. excuse. Yeah, none at all. Being dead is not an excuse. Kevin wakes to find that his home is engulfed in flames, and a group of firefighters bring him to safety. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Kevin is shocked to discover that one of the firefighters is King Agamemnon, played by Sean Connery. He appears at the end of the movie to signify that he's a type of guardian angel looking out for Kevin. Yeah. He doesn't, he winks at Kevin, but he doesn't acknowledge, hey, I'm King Agamemnon. Yep, that was me. But he does wink at him, kind of like... Yeah. Uh I know know who you are. I mean, you know who I am. Yeah, if you know, you know, you know? Yes. You know? (laughs) <laughs> it was actually Connery's idea to play one of the firefighters at the end. Gilliam liked the idea, so he convinced Connery, who happened to be in London at the time, to, quote, see his accountant that day and come to the studio for two quick shots as a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So he had to tell somebody, oh, I'm busy. Yes. I'm, I'm going yeah. to see my accountant. Yeah. <laughs> when, in fact, he was going to shoot. Time edits a little bit more. (laughs) Kevin's parents, who have been arguing about whether they should run back in for the blender, find a piece of pure evil that God and the time bandits forgot to clean up. Kevin warns them not to touch it, but they ignore him and explode. Um, what? So this, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about. Let's unpack. Yeah. (laughs) What was your reaction when that happened, guys? The first time. The very first time, I I, mind blown. Yeah. Kind of moment. (laughs) Like, did 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 that really just happen? That's really. Basically like, like that. I mean, I don't like them, but what? Right? <laughs> yeah. They explode, and Kevin's just like, huh? And then the firefighter <laughs> winks at him and then just rides off they into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, good good luck, bro. And then the camera just kind of pans out, and that is the end of the movie. Yeah. I, I can't. <laughs> it's It flabbergasts me every time. It reminds me of the ending of... of Another Monty Python. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Holy Grail. The Holy Grail. It's yes. such a it's such an ending where you're like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> wait, wait. You just what? can't it just it's what? so it's you just never expect this kind of thing no. to happen. Like they just they just explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nobody's like, Oh, come on, Kevin, let's go. Like, no, Kevin is left no. alone. Yep. Standing at the at charred the... remains of his house. Yeah. <laughs> yep. With no parents. Nope. And that's the end of the movie. Yep, Roll credits. It's a children's film. <laughs> Seriously, it's oh. ridiculous. <laughs> Terry Gilliam explained that the reason the parents died was because they didn't listen to their son. It was a lesson for the parents, not the children in the audience. Oh. Very interesting way to put it. Yeah. But I don't think it was laid on heavily enough for parents to understand that. <laughs> no. yeah. Because I sure as hell didn't take it that yeah. way. <laughs> Because, yeah, they weren't listening to him. But, you know, at the beginning of the movie, they weren't necessarily being the seeming, you know, they weren't the worst parents in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. In context, they were just, you know, they were attached to the yeah. TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, they it was, fed him. Yeah. They, and it, and it was time to go to bed. And then they woke up the next morning and everything seemed normal. Yeah. Like, they didn't seem like the worst parents in the world. It was only revealed that they were terrible at the end when, yeah. they, were more in, when they were more concerned with the appliances in the house than Kevin yeah. when, when it was on fire. Yeah, yeah the, ca- the house is on fire, and the mom is like, damn it, we should have got it for the blender. Yeah. And their yeah. son is still in there. Like, he's still in there dying <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> inside yeah. the house. Yeah, the firefighters pull him out. They're, he's in their arms, and they run past outside. And they don't even acknowledge that he's there. No. Yeah. So obviously, yes, they are terrible. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if it was enough <laughs> to really put that kind of a yeah yeah. It's just kind point of like across. I mean, it was just yeah. They completely ignore him the whole movie, and mm-hmm. finally, at the too. end, at the end there, when he says something really, really important, they mm-hmm. don't listen to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Among audience members, young girls watching tended to be more upset than boys. They were worried about who would take care of Kevin. Gilliam explained that the little boys weren't upset because they, quote, know they can take care of themselves. <laughs> ah, nuh-uh. Yeah, so the first, that's what they think. <laughs> the first time they need food, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. they ain't going to go hunting. They don't mm-hmm. have any money. It's over. <laughs> if there was any hint that the time bandits were coming back for him, yeah. Yeah. it would have been fine. But there's nothing. There's nothing. no yeah. hint yes. of it at all. The yeah. only saving grace we get for Kevin is that wink from the firefighter, which is supposed yeah. to signify yeah. that he is out there like looking out for him. Right. And but, will be there for him. But, and that's but then he rode away. Except for this moment where he's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not not here for this one. Yeah. So the costumes for the film were created by Jim Atchison. Uh, they spent a lot of time on the detail of the time bandits because they wanted to give the impression that they had been traveling through time for a while and just salvaged what they could. Yes, it's very hodgepodge outfits, but it kind of works because it's like a really yeah. real emphasis yeah. on the ragtag nature of this group. Yes, they are, they've got stuff from all different time periods. Mm-hmm. Yep. But beyond the... Bandits costumes, all of the costumes throughout the time periods are very good. Yeah. And and very well established of their time periods and stuff. But one thing that I think is very funny that I want to point out is Robin Hood's hat. (laughs) It's very exaggerated brim. (laughs) It's super far out. It's like poking. It would like poke somebody in the face just by turning to look at them. And I find that that one's very funny. And then I also love the huge feathery hats of Napoleon's generals. Oh, yeah. You know, and then when they steal the. It doesn't make sense because Napoleon <laughs> makes the time bandits his generals yes. for the scene, right? Mm-hmm. And they are now in the general uniforms. Yes. But the actual generals are now uniformless. They're down to their like yeah. PJs or their undergarments. Yeah, they right? have yeah. just like these like pink. Implying <laughs> that they had to hand their uniforms over to the time yeah. bandits. When and it's they like, were, how? No way they would fit. There's no way. There's no way. But they still have the hats. Yeah. Yep. One thing about Robin Hood's hat was it that scene where he had to tower over them and so mm-hmm. they sat down. 
part of the joke was he was kind of he kind of looked like the bird that like oh. is trying to like get water. Oh, yes. I see. Because of the long brim of the hat. Yeah. And it was okay. and it was supposed to be a joke and very pretentious. That, it, you know, nice. I like yeah. it. It works. It's <laughs> very funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The score for the film was composed by Mike Morin, a musician known for scoring many comedy films. His most recent project is called Gateway to the West and is set to release in 2023. Hey. Ah, so he's still, still making music. George Harrison wanted to write several songs for the film, but Terry Gilliam didn't think that would make sense with the content. Harrison was disappointed, and he had a lot of thoughts about what could have made the movie better. He aired these frustrations in one song he did write for the film, which plays during the credits. Oh. Uh, if you listen to the song, you would hear basically the lyrics talking, just, you know, making criticisms about the movie. <laughs> you know, it's funny because, like, thinking about the, the humor, <laughs> the kind of humor that this movie brings and the kind of humor that Monty Python has. Yeah. It it like totally fits. Yeah. To yeah. be criticizing the movie you just watched in the credits of yes. it. It's yeah. it's it's per- fits perfectly in that humor. <laughs> All right. So, how was this movie received, guys? Oh, I wonder. Received Ooh. by us very well. Very yes. well by us. Yep. Yes, especially yep. on the second watch. The film opened at number 1 at the box office for its first weekend, grossing 6.5 million dollars. It stayed at number one for four weeks and made about $36 million in the U.S. and Canada. With a budget of 2.2 million pounds, approximately $5 million, it was the 13th highest grossing film of the year in North America. Not bad. That is pretty good. Damn. A re-release of the movie the following year brought that total up to $42.4 million. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The movie currently sits at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 49 original reviews. Many critics agree that Time Bandits is a remarkable time travel fantasy from Terry Gilliam, who utilizes fantastic set design and homemade special effects to create a vivid original universe. Original is right. Yeah. <laughs> there ain't nothing like yes. Time Bandits. Nope. I have the map from Time Bandits, and it's yes. one of my favorite things. It's mm-hmm. so uh, cool. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. It's made of canvas, so it's yes. oh, it's oh yeah. It's one of my. I, I love. Yeah, I love. <laughs> you can uh, literally take it on an adventure. <laughs> yes, I could. I love maps, like just mm-hmm. fantastical maps, and yeah, that's yeah, the real deal. Vincent Canby of the New York Times said it was. A cheerfully irreverent lark, part fairy tale, part science fiction, and part comedy. Yeah. That was <laughs> right one, on. of, one of the things about the ending not being happy. Yeah. They were like, mm-hmm. this is a fairy tale, guys. Yeah. That's why it's not happy at the yeah. end. Yeah. Because fairy tales were not happy. <laughs> no. Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> However, there were some critics who gave the film less praise. Our good friend Roger Ebert said, I'm usually fairly certain whether or not I've seen a good movie. (laughs) I can see where this is going. Yeah. (laughs) Oof. But my reaction to Time Bandits was ambiguous. I had great admiration for what was physically placed on the screen, but I was disappointed by the breathless way the dramatic scenes were handled and by a breakneck pace that undermined the most important element of comedy, which is timing. Oh. You know what an interesting critique, yeah. It is, and I partly agree, only because watching it the first time, this is Mm -hmm. what you were just talking about, Mm -hmm. Robin. The first time I watched it, it was so fast paced, yeah, and and so out there that I just kind of was stuck on trying to comprehend it, yeah, and not seeing the jokes, right? And I wasn't, I I, I spent too much time figuring out what I was even seeing, Mm -hmm. yeah, and because it was so quick, like, how do they, oh, they're traveling time, okay, what's the map, (laughs) what does the map have to do with it, blah, 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 you know, it was too much, yeah, second time seeing it, totally got it, I'm (laughs) on board, yes, because I was already, I was already prepared for the weirdness of it, yeah, so now I could finally understand, you know, the story and the, and the, the jokes, 
it was it was a lot better. It was it was good, and I enjoyed the first time watching it because it was yeah. just so much like <laughs> fun to witness. The second time, I'm like, I get it now. Yeah, that laser line though, I <laughs> is yes. one, it's I honestly one of my favorite movie lines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's talking about he's evil is talking about God mm-hmm. and how God doesn't like yeah technology and doesn't he's care not, for technology. He's not interested in technology. He doesn't care about the microchip or the silicon revolution. <laughs> <laughs> if I were creating a world I wouldn't mess about with butterflies and daffodils, I would have started with lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. <laughs> that whole spiel is very funny because especially looking back at it now <laughs> yeah. because of the things he talks about. He's like, yeah. I will have understanding. Oh, understanding of what, master? Calculator watches. <laughs> I, will have underst- I will have understanding of VHS tapes and car telephones. <laughs> and it's like thinking about that now <laughs> yes. is even funnier. That's yes. only going to get funnier with age. Yeah. yeah that- <laughs> it's just so funny. Step back for a second in that same scene where he's like, Talking to his minions. Yeah. The first one goes like, you know, it's like, oh, I hate the Supreme Being, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, he created you, master. And then he just, what did you say? Yeah. Didn't he create you? <laughs> you know, blows him up. It's like, don't ever, anyone ever say yeah. that to me again. No. I created myself. And then, the, and then another minion chimes in. <laughs> if that's the case, why can't you escape the fortress? <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, that was a good question. <laughs> I one of oh, those guys God. when he deletes him, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had his hand on a lever, and he still needed that guy to pull that lever. Oh, so they... oh yeah. So when he, yep. so when he obliterates the guy, he leaves the hand behind, so the hand can pull the lever down. Oh still. my yeah. gosh. Yeah. That. It. Yeah. Brilliant. If, <laughs> if you don't have like time to watch this movie look up on youtube and just watch the part with the villain scene real quick because yeah. it's so funny <laughs> but then definitely go back and watch the whole yes movie. yeah definitely definitely the film is ranked number 22 on empire magazine's the 50 best kids movies and is number seven on time magazine's top 10 time travel movies my goodness that's pretty that's good it made on a list of good. kids yeah. movies huh yeah wow. all right it's pretty good, but why not higher? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like well, for kids, this is this is one that up. it's so complex. Like, yeah, yeah. And that was one thing that they really liked about it. They were like, we didn't dumb it down for the kids. No. You know? They really didn't. No, yeah. they yeah. didn't. The movie has had a lasting impact and has garnered many new fans thanks in part to multiple re-releases from the Criterion Collection. In 1997... 1999, 2010, and 2014. All right. Yeah, you can actually get it on Blu-ray, which is awesome for old movies. That is super nice. Mm -hmm. And what's so funny is in the the Criterion commentary, he keeps talking about how you should buy the Laserdisc. (laughs) Yeah, he talks about how you can... Oh, you can only see this on the Laserdisc. You can't see this in the VHS tape. That's hilarious. (laughs) An Apple TV series based on Time Bandits is in the works, but whether or not the production will move forward remains to be seen. Oh, boy. Only time will oh, tell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you can uh, tell if you have a nice time. Hole yeah, if you guys through, are listening huh? to this in five or six years, I guess uh, then you'll know. Tweet at us. Because <laughs> yeah, us... we haven't, we don't know. We don't know yet. Yeah. We don't know. All right. We're moving on to the fun facts, everybody. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Facts yeah. that are fun. Because production regularly fell behind schedule, the crew was often referred to as the overtime bandits. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's such a good joke. Hilarious. Originally, Sean Connery's character, Agamemnon, was meant to be squashed by the pillar in the final confrontation. However, he was only available to film for 14 days. So that had to be rewritten for Fidget to take the fall. All right, poor Fidget. Yeah. yeah. But I think it ended up being better. Yes, yeah. I think it did too. And he Fidget really was like the most beloved one because yeah. it was Kenny Baker. Yeah. And I, I think it's so sweet at the end when they're sending Kevin back Fidget 
is the one that stops when they're yeah. where they're all going up with the supreme being and Kevin's being left behind mm-hmm. and Fidge is the one that stops and he goes but but master you think maybe maybe my friend can come with us mm-hmm. and he's like of course not it's not a school outing come on you know yeah yeah <laughs> there was a scene where the bandits tried to rob a 22nd century bank but it was sadly cut and unfortunately the footage has supposedly been destroyed no which really Aww. sucks. Yeah. And it makes me think that that scene mm-hmm. is probably where the weird spaceship yes. at the end comes from. Oh. Because that's the only future thing in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. They yeah. go to the past, and then at the, the end, they bring the cowboys, they bring the, the centurion soldiers, they bring a tank. Yeah. Like, all of these history things. Yes. yes. And then also this one spaceship. Yeah, there's randomly a spaceship. Yep. So I'm thinking like, that scene must have had something to do with yeah. that spaceship mm-hmm. in the future, the 22nd century. Yeah. And then they cut it, but they kept the ship. But it's a shame that the footage um, supposedly has been destroyed because yeah. be, that would have been a nice little clip to put yes. in the Criterion yeah. Collection release. Yeah, watch that. Put on the laser disc. Why yeah. Put on the laser disc. Put on the laser exactly. disc. <laughs> exactly. Everyone go buy the laser disc. Yeah. Time bandits. Yeah. <laughs> Highly, it came highly recommended. <laughs> sure did. Yes. I'm such a big fan of this movie. I it's one of those that like it's it's actually it's just so enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Like it's funny. Yeah. It's weird. I like weird things. Yeah. That's why I like '80s movies. So mm-hmm. many of them are so so strange, and I love how just unique this is i love the style i love the design of the map Mm -hmm. you know and it's just an interesting concept and i think it's just i don't know there's so many magical elements to it you can feel how it is someone's imagination yeah yes and it just that's that's the whole movie is about imagination right Mm -hmm. it's that's it they're just you know they're like don't don't watch too much tv you know don't worry too much about materialistic items You know, yeah. read your books and and read. have your imagination, and that those are mm-hmm. those are the things that are going to carry you through life. Yes. And yeah, this is, <laughs> and I just loved showing it to you guys for the first time, <laughs> and I think that is one of my favorite movie memories. So yeah, this is honestly a gem for sure. Mm-hmm. I know that it is a pretty popular movie among movie lovers, but. I yeah. know that there are a lot of people, I've met a lot of people who've never even heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a nice little gem. Yeah, yeah, definitely go watch it if you have HBO or try to find it on DVD, something like that. It's, yeah. I mean, it's on Blu-ray. It's been yep. re-released, so it exists yep. out there. should yeah. be at the library. Yeah, that too. Um, and I love, to, to go back a little bit about what you said, I love that with this weirdness of the movie and it's being really imaginative i actually really like that they don't bother to explain so much they yeah. don't bother mm-hmm. to dwell on the weirdness right mm-hmm. yeah like when the ship that the ogre was on they steal it mm-hmm. and then it just starts to move and it turns out it's the hat of a giant <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then they just like deal with it. Mm-hmm. They they like stick some like sleep potion in the top of his head yes. so that he yes. falls asleep. <laughs> and then they just move on. Yeah. They yeah. don't they're like, what the hell? Yeah. There's no what the heck was that? Why is there a giant with a ship hat? <laughs> no. None of it. They're just like, we are in the time of legends yep. and they move on because things are weird here. It's it doesn't apologize for what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great feature of this movie because it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Deal with yep. it. Yep. <laughs> Time Bandits is a wild adventure that runs at a breakneck pace. This film has managed to confuse, enlighten, and delight audiences for 40 years. It has made an incredible contribution to film, earning a place in the Criterion Collection. There are hundreds of films about time travel, but very few of them contain this level of pure, unadulterated creativity. Unadulterated is right. Oh, (laughs) yes. Time Bandits is one of those films filled with little treasures you didn't notice from the watch before. So if you've seen this classic once, maybe watch it again. It only gets better with time. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Oh, boy, that's going to do it. That is a case closed. Woo! Beautiful. Solid. (laughs) 
Beauty Woo. is fantastic. We are everyone. mid-season. That's, that's, right. that's a mid-season it clap. Really I've ever is. heard one. Yeah. We got the best clap around. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we talked about this. Can't. All right. <laughs> Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons. Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelly, Linda, Bob, Jaron, and Brad. Hey, thank, thank you guys. Yes, thank you all so very much. We say it every time, but we're going to keep saying it because you mean everything to us. Yes. <laughs> You can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash Diary if you're feeling up to that. And thank you to all who support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Thank you. Thank you so much. You. Also, we're up for a podcast award. That's please vote for us. Right. Please, 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 please vote for us. Yes, please. please go check out blackcasediaries.com. Right at the top of the page, there is a banner that you can click that'll take you straight to where you vote. Please, please go vote for us for yes. the Columbus Podcast Awards. We would very much appreciate it. And we promise that you will not get spam emailed. Even once. Nope. Yeah. But nope. you do need an email to vote, so we would greatly appreciate your, Please. your vote. Please vote for us. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Fitty, dead. Dead? No excuse for laying off work.